Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. The Sewer Show. Squatters and unwaged airwaves. Presenting views, news and interviews from the Centrelink queues. Information on your squatting, legal and other rights. Troublemaking news from around the world. Coming at you every Friday between 5.30 and 6.30pm on 3CR. Hi, welcome to The Sewer Show. That's 5.30 on 3CR. Um, currently we are in the in the uh, recording booth with uh, Seki and um, I'm going to say hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. And um, yeah, we're just going to start the show with an acknowledgement of country. Um, We want to acknowledge that the lands which we're currently on right now, which is uh, in Collingwood, um, are the lands of the uh, Bunwurrung people um, and language group. We want to acknowledge that those lands were not ceded um, and was taken by force from a colonizing nation. We want to acknowledge that people think about this in their day, we will, and through the rest of the radio show. We want to pay respect to the elders, past, present and emerging, and thank their courage um, in the fight for sovereignty of their land. We're currently uh, doing it ourselves, which is a group that talks about lots of things, about community, about direct action. And we're going to actually talk a lot about that today. We're going to talk about a community that has come together to take direct action um, for the fight against climate change, the fight against coal. Um, yeah, your thoughts on climate change and coal's involvement, Seki? Beautiful. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful thing mm. to, to witness. It is beautiful to witness coal um, coming to an end and being challenged by the community. There is a group called Frontline Action on Coal, um, or called FLAC sometimes for short, and they have been having lots of campaigns across the nation. It's been um, quite a long battle, and they've it started up at the Laird State Forest, Malls Creek Mine. Um, do you hear about that at all, Seki? Have you? Uh, mostly through the uh, online social networks. It's not, not. It's one of those beautiful things that never get covered by mainstream media very well. So. Yeah, yeah, but thankfully to the social media stuff, we are going to be talking a lot about that stuff. Awesome. And um, we want to, uh, yeah, bring bring awareness to the good work that they're doing. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff that's happening out there. But like I said, started at Malls Creek, um, the coal mine, and they've decided to uh, take that battle to Adani. They have mobilized and acro- across the nation drawn their activists to the uh, mid 
Queen, sometimes it looks like northern Queensland, but actually when you look at a map, it's only the middle of Queensland along the east coast. Um, I belong to towards the township of uh, Bowen, if people mm. are familiar with that area of, of the country. There's a, uh, yeah, there's a coal mine kind of up around those parts, a little bit more further further west of Bowen. And it's, um, yeah, it's a big battle. There's a big mine that's being proposed to be built out there and people are coming together from all walks of life and they are doing direct action to stop it. Mm. Um, but an amazing thing to prove um, frontline action on coal's amazing resilience um, and and you know non-centralization way of organizing is they've is they've actually uh, decided to mobilize um, at other parts of the country. They've gone down to New South Wales at the moment um, at Newcastle, which is the coal port that I believe is the largest in the world, to, I, I believe, um, and it has the largest volume of coal being exported um, out of any nation, and they're taking it on and challenging it. So I think today through the uh, show, we'll be exploring that, having some thoughts about that, interviewing people live from the uh, from the actual town of Newcastle, and we'll get to hear their thoughts of what they're up to. And we'll also get to hear some people that are from across the nation that actually went up to Newcastle for what was called ACT UP, which was like a week of direct action that called on the nation and got everybody there, um, which was amazing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on, on that stuff, Seki? What are your thoughts on, like, hearing about, you know, obviously you're involved in other forms of um, activism. What's your take on currently Frontline Action's mission statement and, and their fight against climate change? Well, I think it uh, goes back to an old adage that uh, in order to change things, you have to get off your backside and do something about it. And um, it's amazing to see so many people um, without any proper financing by millionaires or billionaires or without any support from any mainstream media or anything like that are taking it upon themselves and sacrificing a lot of their personal life to um, stand up for the planet, to stand up for a, um, uh, the environment, which is part and parcel of social justice, really. And uh, it's good It's good to see people um, get into the life of taking responsibility themselves and rising up to the occasion. And it's amazing when you go to these things to see the variety of people and the different backgrounds uh, and different views and different opinions coming together to do something uh, positive. Yeah, yeah, awesome, well said. Yeah, I think it, it is amazing. It's good to see that there is that um, form of community, um, yeah, engagement that is in the form of resistance because I think, like, you know, it's great to acknowledge that there's different types of um, activism happening, um, mm. but definitely there's a lot of room for direct resistance and direct action and so having a community that's like put that as their first you know call of measure of like we're starting with with that because there's all these mm. other there's a healthy seco of activism happening out there in the world and that ecosystem involves everything from lobbying to to letterbox drops to community engagement but it's just great that there's like a crew that have gone you know what we're going to focus on this part which hasn't had enough focus lately which is getting um out in the in the dirt where it's dirty, out out where the things are happening, out in the coal, 
you know, mine areas out in the deserts and really putting like a physical stop to things. And so, um, did you want to talk a little bit about like, obviously I've got some experience with direct action. You've got some experience with direct action. Mm. Did you want to take viewers into like a little bit of a quick briefing onto like what direction is for those that maybe aren't familiar with that term? Um, I think direct action is basically starts with, um, if you individually believe it starts between you and yourself, between one and oneself, do we do something? Here is what's bad about the world. Here is a, an issue, uh, whether locally or nationally, um, and it's uh, and here's why it's bad. And this is and I'm and I've had enough of sitting on 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 my chair and being comfortable and going out there and doing something about it. And what you end up with is that. Uh, it's not an easy process. Um, often uh, jobs are on the line. Often personal um, commitments are on the line. Uh, and you go, and when you go into a group doing something or a movement doing something, you will meet a variety of people. Some you get on with, some you don't get on with. Um, uh, people of different abilities uh, and capabilities and different capacities. And um, it is amazing uh, opportunity to see how that works and how all things come together at the end and um, ups and downs, highs and lows and uh, making friends uh, with people that uh, um, share your outlook. And um, look, it's it's a very, on a personal development point of view, it's very rewarding. And um, on the when it comes to a cause such as this one, uh, it is vital, and it does work. It does uh, slow down things. It does disrupt things. It does stop things. It does, and eventually, uh, with persistence and endurance, uh, uh, this cause wins because everything that's going against it is a very nasty and antagonistic mainstream media. Yeah, no, totally agree. Political forces, powerful political forces that are that. Uh, fight for coal and fossil fuels uh, and to to have regular people being able it's a very much David Goliath kind of story and um, despite my views on David the biblical character <laughs> but <laughs> for the sake of uh, <laughs> for the sake of this conversation for the sake of the metaphor uh, it's pretty much the underdog taking up the game towards the big dogs Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, uh, you know, a moment of the underdogs taking them on and exactly as you say, and, and it's, it's one, it's like has a long history of winning. There's lots of campaigns out there um, that have had direct action as part of their way of getting true change. And that's really worth mm. reflecting on remembering. And the types of things we're talking about when we talk of direct action is like people that find ways to stop these things from happening. So they're, they're chaining themselves to things, they're blocking entrances, they're linking arms, stopping... Um, you know, machinery getting into a site to do work. They're building things like structures called tripods and stuff like that over roads and stuff to block these roads being accessed um, by people trying to destroy an environment. Um, they're people that climb up in trees and, and sit up in trees for um, mm. hours and sometimes days on end to, to make sure that they're looking after an ecosystem and that somebody out there in the community is standing up to the people with the biggest pockets of, of cash and saying, no, we won't allow this just because you've got the money. 
um, that doesn't mean you get the right to take all the resources from that belongs to everybody, sure. the animals and the people. And, and um, yeah, it's really inspiring to see them use these amazing tactics of, of chaining onto things or blocking things um, and putting their bodies on the line um, as a sign of resistance saying, no, you're not going to pass, you know, you're not getting past here. Um, it's, it's super, super inspiring. Um, is there, yeah, is there any like, you know, anything that you think would be, um, yeah, interesting on your thoughts, like on the part of like how climate change activism is doing in the, um, scene at the moment of, you know, general environmental and social justice scene and like. There's plenty. It's massive. Um, we have a, um, uh, there's a lot of action that takes place around the world. Uh, not just in Australia, uh, in New Zealand as well. And uh, a lot of wins that don't even get recorded or doesn't even get spread out or disseminated in the media very well. So there is a lot of uh, faceless, nameless masses of um, activists and, and, and good people out there contributing in many different ways as well um, that... Um, that uh, that we owe a debt of gratitude towards uh, to, to doing something about it. I mean, climate change is something that governments worldwide are not willing to really to really seriously tackle because it means facing big multi-billion corporations and they don't have the stomach for it. And it's amazing to see regular people saying we've had enough and we will bear the brunt of that and, and, and fight it. And, and the thing is, people contribute not just by going up to trees um there's a lot of disabled comrades who do a lot of online work who do a lot there's a lot of people who do street work there's a lot of people who contribute to the fight in many direct and non-direct ways and uh, it's pretty inspiring absolutely very inspiring and we'll hear from some of those inspiring people coming up through the show for now we're going to quickly take a break with a song this song is by stephen marley i believe the title is chase dem and um, yeah, we'll uh, head off to this lovely tune. Twenty eighteen marks twenty years since senior traditional owner Yvonne Margarula invited supporters to come to Mirar Country within Kakadu National Park to blockade the proposed Jabaluka uranium mine. Thousands answered the call. The mine was stopped. To commemorate this extraordinary anniversary. Conjaitme Aboriginal Corporation and the Australian Conservation Foundation have produced a gorgeous commemorative calendar. Standing Strong, Jabaluka 20 Years is a piece of history you don't want to miss. Order your copy today at mirar.net. That's M-I-R-A-R-R a 3CR supporter. And that was Stephen Marley with Chase Dem. Um, we're currently uh, going to be talking to uh, Max Kermy, who's up at the uh, blockade. Uh, and yeah, just hearing from what's happening up there. So uh, this is the Newcastle blockade that we're talking about. And we're going to get their updates, what's happening, what they're doing, what's happened since ACT UP. So um, yeah, Max, are you there online? I am. Yeah, hey, nice hearing from you. Um, so, yeah, just um, if you 
if you don't mind uh, letting us know what's been going on up there, just also I uh, know how campsite goes and, and language is quite free flowing. But just uh, we just uh, thought we'd throw in that it's a family friendly show. But um, yeah, yeah, just um, be good to hear what you think. Um, yeah, is happening right now and, and what's going on up there. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, so hi, everybody. Um, my name's Max, as, as I was just mentioned by Jim. Um, I'm with Frontline Action on Coal, and um, we've, over the last couple of months, been organising and doing um, some... Uh, some non-violent direct action against the world's largest coal port in Newcastle. Um, we're, we're targeting this place because... Um, we are of the opinion that um, catastrophic climate change is already upon us um, and that we have such a short amount of time left to act that the only thing we really can do is kind of throw ourselves against the biggest um, and worst piece of um, fossil fuel infrastructure that we have in this country. Um, Yeah, so last week... um, we organised a mass mobilisation up here where around 300 people from across Australia came um, and took part in five five days of training and um, a couple of days of actions um, where we shut down the coal port. Um, yes, yeah, so I was involved in that action. Um, I climbed up onto a stackery climber, which is a piece of machinery that takes coal off the trains uh, and puts them on the stockpiles and then also and then picks it back up again and puts it onto the ships. So when those stack of reclaimers aren't working, um, the world's largest coal port is not operating. Um, so you can you can effectively stop these pieces of infrastructure with one or two people um, and you stop them for... Well, I mean, we're a slightly larger group than that, but um, we stopped it all day. Um but it could definitely be done with many less people. Um, and so, yeah, so our, our strategy moving forward with that is that we, we want to keep um, trying to limit the, uh, uh, the amount of coal that the, the port can, uh, can move. Um, we're talking about a facility that pushes out 160 million tonnes of coal every year. Um, that's a... About a about a hundred thousand, sorry, about a ten thousand ton coal train rolling into Newcastle every ten minutes. Um, it's it's quite phenomenal, really, the the, the scale of the, of the destruction that's happening um, here, um, and it's right kind of in the backyard of of the most populous state in Australia, and um, really, really is something that's kind of flying under the radar. There's been a lot of been a lot of um, direct action that's happened here in the past, but but it is um, yeah something that we really need to be, be reminded of again. Um, yeah, so there are quite a number of people from Frontline Action on Coal, um, which is the group I'm with, and Newcastle Climate Justice Uprising, which is a local group that we're that we're working with, um, and we are aiming to try and keep this momentum. <laughs> Again, the coal industry um, moving forward because because yeah, as I said before, we have a very very short amount of time left to to deal with this problem, and um, 
there seems to be absolutely no solution offered up by um, the excuses people use, the, um, well, politicians and, and um, societal leaders that, that are really, um, that are failing uh, to do their job. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if people are keen to be involved, we have, we are very interested in people coming up to stay with us. We've got places that you can hang out, we can we, we can train you in these types of methods, and it's it it takes it takes the um, this 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 type of action really takes takes your power back as a as a as as a relatively small person. Um, you can you can stop industry like you don't have to wait for for governments to come around and listen or for big business to to miraculously start being ethical um you know we don't need very many people to shut down these facilities um i mean frontline action on coal has another camp up north in central queensland where we're fighting the adani um coal mine so i mean um if you have any interest in being part of these sort of actions this is this is something that you can tangibly do to to bring about positive change um and and yeah, um, I, I I couldn't rec- recommend it highly enough. Um, yeah, so in 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 the in the coming months, we'll, we'll hopefully be holding another one of these mobilisations. Um, we also have yeah, as I said before, places that if, if people are interested in coming and participating in 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 rolling actions. So we're hoping to continue actions. Um, as often as is possible um, to to cause as much damage as is possible to the coal industry, um, and and we're doing this because because we think climate change is a is a massive ex, ex, existential threat to to most life on Earth, um, and and um, yeah, we are we are prepared to do something about it. Um, yeah, cool. So, yeah. yeah, and couldn't couldn't have said it better. <clears throat> Totally agree, and what you guys are doing up there, Max, is absolutely amazing. It's like smashing, and I know that, um, yeah, a couple of us went up there to check things out for a few days, and it was just inspiring what you guys have managed to set up and and pull off up there. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't think, like, anyone in the activist scene could ignore the amazing efforts that you guys have have managed to pull off, and, and, yeah, the impact that that would have... um, yeah, across the movement whole is just an extra boost of um, yeah motivation across the movement now within climate. Just seeing what was done. Um, so yeah, just wanted to say so much thanks and good luck up there. And um, yeah, for as like Max was saying, for anyone listening, get onto Frontline Action on Coal's website. Get onto the um, get onto the Facebook and get in touch with them and head up there because um, it's it's absolutely amazing stuff that's happening up there at the moment. But um, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks. Thanks, Max. And I'll yeah, hear you from too. you soon. Yep. See ya. See you, mate. Bye. So yeah, that was, uh, that was Max from, um, yeah, up in New South Wales at the moment. Um, yeah. What did you, you think about what they're doing up there at the moment, Seki? Um, what is that name again? That name is Frontline Action on Coal. How, how can people sign on to that? How do people get onto that? Yeah. So just, yeah, just, Get onto the uh, Facebook site, Frontline Action on Coal. And, um, yeah, there's also a website, Frontline Action on Coal. And there's, like, a Queensland um, section on the website. And there's also um, a Newcastle um, section. So you can, um, yeah, you're able to really find, um, 
yeah, what you what what entry like what area you're interested in, where you live closer. If you're living up in Queensland and you want to get involved in the Adani stuff, check out that part of the website. If you're in New South Wales and want to see what's happening there, there's a there's a all the avenues there on the uh, website and Facebook to get in touch with them and and um, yeah, hang out. You can get to camp. You get to you know bring a tent. Bring your uh, bring your swag, bring your uh, toothbrush, and um, yeah, go out there and um, yeah, make an impact. There's lots of people there that um, I saw up there that had never done anything before, like first direct action, and they had um, an amazing experience. Um, and we'll hear more about that um, very very soon. There's going to be an interview, um, and that interview is going to be with uh, Emily and Nick, and um, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll uh, play you a pre-recorded interview that was um, recorded only yesterday with two of those people that, um, yeah, had, had a big jump into direct action. And, uh, yeah, we'll hear from their awesome experiences. So this is that interview. And welcome to the studio. My name is Anissa and I am recording from um, 3CR, that's 855, on your AM dial. And today I'm in the studio with Emily and Nick, who have kindly agreed to come in to be interviewed about their experience in Newcastle, which was, when was that? Less than a week ago, hey? Yeah, just last weekend, Saturday. Yeah, wow. Weekend, yeah. Um, That's so exciting. Um, So thanks for coming on board. Um, So how about we just start talking about how did you folks hear about what was happening, the ACT UP in Newcastle? I think I actually just saw it pop up on Facebook even. <laughs> I saw the event and I kept seeing it and decided pretty early on that I wanted to be there. Yeah, wow, Facebook events work. <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah, I th- yeah, I think it's the same for me. Just um, saw it on, on Facebook or, or perhaps even... Um, Spoke to someone at uh, that that um, tow the line around Flinders Street thing, walking around thirty hours. Oh, the No New Coal yeah. banner match. Yeah. Um, oh, so that was another action that Frontline Action on Coal did earlier in the year. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and then I think also the fact that uh, I knew people who were going, or, or there was just kind of like this. Oh, we're, we're, everyone's going! All of a sudden, <laughs> everyone's going. <laughs> Is so, that because you talked to people about it or you saw that other people were already clicking attending on Facebook? <laughs> I think it just took mentioning it once mm. to then have a group of people go, okay, cool, you're going, yeah. I'll be there too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. So that's a lot of excitement that already exists. Like, because what amazed me was that it was an action that wasn't in response to anything. Mm. Like, you know, when you go to blockade the construction of the Adani coal mine, that's like, oh, no, they're constructing right now, we have to go. But the Newcastle coal port is there all the time. Yeah. So it's not, it, instead of being a response, it's just, hey, there's a coal port that's still happening right now. Let's go and blockade it. And there was so much energy. Yeah, I, I, I think for me it was um, just an opportunity and something that had been really present for me. It was definitely an easy opportunity to mm. take on because it was planned so far in advance mm. and... If you were sitting at home, well, for us in Melbourne, just frustrated with the state of the world mm. and feeling like your rallies and your petitions aren't really getting you too far, it was a good way to put it in your calendar and make that happen and be there. 
on the front line. So. Yeah, well, I guess, and also that feeling of maybe in Melbourne we don't have that many opportunities. Like, there aren't really fossil fuel projects or train lines around us that we can just take the weekend off and mm-hmm. go and do something. Totally. So. Yeah, I mean, we have we have headquarters for for various different organisations. Mm. Um, and um, having gone down to the the kinds of actions that, that situate themselves in front of offices and um, and try and um, make the issue present for whoever's walking into the office. Um, you, you look at that and you think, okay, is this having an impact? Is this having an impact? Um, mm. How is this impacting? And then as soon as this comes up, something that you can um, you can really easily access. Yeah. In, in terms of like, it seems like everything's organised. It seems like it's well organised. Yeah. Why the hell wouldn't I go? Yeah, well, I guess there's, you know that there's going to be people that can teach you how to do it. That's one of the hardest things probably. You want to do something, but you don't know how. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's really awesome. Um, and so the decision took two seconds, and that was like you decided because you wanted to take direct action or did you just want to see what was going on? Like, I, I wanted to take direct action. Well, I mean, I guess a different sort of direct action because you've done stuff in Melbourne. The offices right. is that is, have you done direct action in Melbourne? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, but like um, going down to offices and and putting up signs and mm. having a few chants and handing out flyers and um, mm. you know some other attempts at at, um, at stopping the work at offices, but. Um, nothing that you know you can you can directly link to climate change so um, viscerally, I guess. Like the yeah. coal going onto a ship is yeah, it's just really impactful, I guess, for your own sense of having done something. Yeah, definitely. So when you're in an office in Melbourne, you can't. I mean, I guess it's even the visual image um, that's so different. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I was really keen to bring it all to light, the fact that we have the world's biggest coal port just up in <laughs> Newcastle and it's, yeah, something that's kind of hiding in the shadows with all the talk of Adani and everything, which, of course, is really important. But, yeah, wow, there are a lot of people with the capacity and energy to do something. I was happy to be part of it as well. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so exciting, yeah. Um, and so... Once you got to camp, like what what was the experience of kind of arriving and being up in Newcastle for those few days? Yeah, it, yeah, it was great. Um, we didn't really know where we were going until about the day before, but I trusted <laughs> it would all be wonderful. And it was. Um, camp was a really lovely and supportive environment. Got to meet a bunch of new people from all across Australia, all different states and territories, or maybe just states. Um, <laughs> well, and, there, was, there was people from Canberra. Yeah, people from Canberra. <laughs> um, and just that whole eating together, sleeping together, living like a community really brought everybody closer day by day. You really felt it. You felt the energy shifting and everybody was more inclusive. Um and there were people there that had come knowing nobody as well. So that was pretty amazing that people were so, yeah, so inspired to come mm. and just take that action, even without friends there for support. 
um, and there were workshops running, which were great. Every day, most days, we'd have workshops about nonviolent direct action or just organising mm-hmm. activism and hearing stories. So that was really great to be part of. Mm. Mm. Yeah, just like, uh, waking up and and being uh, sorry, eating together, sleeping together, um, having the, roughly the same agenda the same breaks in the day, um, constantly being in the same space with, like with people, made you feel like a community. It, mm. it forced you into that into that communal space. Um, and then, like in the evening, when we started having um, like a campfire, um, <laughs> sitting around and 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 ending the day with you know like an, an informal debrief, as it uh, um, was. Yeah, it was just really. Really breathtaking. <laughs> yeah. Really, com- really comforting. Really, yeah. Um, yeah, there was also a really wide range of people at camp. There were 17-year-olds up to, there was a 96-year-old as well, <laughs> but we had a strong presence from the Knitting Nanners um, and there were a group of activists from Castlemaine as well, a lot of them. Um, quite a few were a bit older as well. And it was great to share the space with people who have had a lot of experience in all different protests and blockades and then also have a lot of people who were there for the first time were going to take direct action for the first time. Yeah, it's amazing. I guess that's fighting against this kind of rhetoric that some people put out that it's just all a bunch of uni students or all a bunch of ferals on the dole Mm. and it's just... Hilarious how clear it is when you go to one of these camps. Like these people are from everywhere. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a waiter. Like I, I, I have, you know, lots of shifts in the week that I normally have to go to. Mm. Um, and there, you know, there are other people that I spoke to that had all kinds of different jobs. There was a ecological ecological economist. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't didn't get a good opportunity to drill down on, on stuff that they were doing, but sounded really interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was one of the really interesting things, I guess, about the camp was, was the idea of like social capital and like the people who were there, um, and the connections that they had and how that played into the interactions that they were having with the other people. Like, cause you, you know, um, there were definitely clicks that you could perceive in mm. the space, but it, I don't think it was ever clicky if that makes sense, that didn't necessarily lead to like an exclusionary um, sort of vibe. But I think, I think the idea of social capital is very present. And it's interesting because, you know, to define it as social capital, you're kind of using that capitalist um, language around having, you know, a commodification of networks or, or connections. Um, it's, it's just, it was kind of, I don't know, interesting to look at that and, and sort of think about, um, how people are treating the the relationships that they have there, and so what what sort of things would give people social capital in that space? Well, this is the other this is the um, the other thing that I thought was really important was um, trust, mm. mm-hmm. and so um, you know to have to have uh, an amount of trust gives you a lot of social capital and a lot of agency over. Um, I guess the decisions that are made in the groups, mm. um, 
and and you know maybe it's maybe it's trust in in relation to your ability or trust in relation to your accountability mm. or you know your experience or your um yeah more related to your knowledge of particular um processes or or um actions okay so if you yeah if people are more likely to trust you then you have more i guess power in the space to be able to sway what's going on and like do what you want well i'm not sure i mean i like <laughs> i i think i think it's interesting to 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 look at it and 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 try and work out whether that's the case or not um, mm. but you that's that's one path i guess that that you could investigate and say um whether that's whether it's accurate or not yeah well i guess it's definitely a space where the social relations are really different to everywhere else yeah totally it's just amazing how having a shared ideal or you know similar views can just really unite people i mean i sit next to the same people every week at uni can never really have a proper conversation yet here I was at camp getting lifts from people, borrowing tents from people, cooking dinner with people I'd never met before until that day and just mm-hmm. really had an instant connection and felt like they were a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty – yeah, that doesn't happen. And I guess – so you're saying that you think that comes from people having the same ideals, they have the same goals in life and therefore you feel Caring like you about can the connect? Same things. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Because it just – feeds into everything you do, everything you are, and to have someone that shares those same ideas as you and thinks about them as much as you do is really wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Let alone a whole group of them camping <laughs> together in yeah. the bush. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, I guess especially in a world where most people don't, or I- even if they have similar ideals and that, you know, the environment is important and climate change shouldn't happen, they won't really do anything about it. So I think you have a lot of people that kind of feel really isolated in their day-to-day lives because they can't find anyone else that's as outraged or as sad or as, you know, petrified. And then they find these people and it's all of a sudden like long-lost friends. Definitely. <laughs> Almost. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the way that um, the discussions took place um, was really was really well handled because you know we there's a whole process of of interacting where you you know you give people other opportunities to talk and and you kind of you you physically identify that you want to say something and then there's like a process that follows that um allows you and allows everyone to say something so you know it always felt like um in any of the formal situations where we were talking um uh about you know what we wanted from from our time and um um, what we wanted from change in general, um, mm. it was always yeah. Everyone was always given an opportunity, um, and so I guess and to, to relate to each other. So that's the formal processes by which, like the meetings or workshops, or all of them run. You're talking mm. about kind of like consensus based mm. decision making and kind of putting up your hand to speak and mm. speaking lists and sometimes people being like, "So who hasn't spoken?" Mm. Yeah, like yeah. all of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. The whole point is that they add to the space, they change the space. Um, and I found that it's so great to be in that space, but then when you come back to situations where they don't practice consensus decision-making, it's quite jarring right. being in those meetings. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I, w- I was at a meeting last night um, for a group called Friends of Baokao, and um, uh, it's an older group, 
Um, it, and we had uh, some fundraising that we were planning. Mm. Um, and everyone was kind of talking over each other and, and it was like really <laughs> hectic. And, and someone was like, okay, now you've got to make a decision about this and you've got to go away and you've got to make the decision on your own. And I was like, oh, but we're a group. Like, <laughs> don't we get to make this decision together or something? And it was, yeah, it was just completely different. It was it was really <laughs> weird to be in that space after after being. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people, like what you hear about kind of consensus and group decision making, people think it's impossible. And that's often why they end up being like, you, you're the boss. You make the the decision. You have the responsibility. We couldn't dare sit down and work it out together. But then when you can see like so many skills, like skills that you can do training for to work out how to make a decision together. Yeah, I guess that's part of creating such a different space. And hopefully, yeah, part of helping people feel empowered because that's one of the, you know, that's the point of the camp to being like, hey, everyone come along, let's learn how to do stuff that'll, you know, make us feel empowered to make the change that we want. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a very, very different space. We've got to work out how to make more of them. Yeah. Definitely. It's more accessible. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the like as much as I was mentioning social capital before, um, mm. I, I think you know it's it's those kinds of processes that that um, subvert that mm. that notion of of commodifying those relationships because everyone ultimately gets an option. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to rely on um, whatever. Yeah, you don't have to rely on on your relationships with people to be able to be heard. You can expect yeah. to be heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So even though there's obviously in every social situation, social capital exists, and you know that's there are informal relationships and decisions, but I guess the whole point of a consensus-run camp is that you have processes to subvert that as much as you can. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, it was cool. It was awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, and then. So I guess, yeah, you've been at the camp for a few days and then all of a sudden we look on Facebook and there's this, oh, there's 50 people in a coal port and we shut it down. <laughs> um, so firstly, well done. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, maybe if you want to talk a little bit about the experience of being in the port and locking on. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it was... Um it got to the point um, where we were locked on and, and we were just sort of, I guess, like, the you know, full of adrenaline and, and just <laughs> recognising that, you're, you, you know, you're doing something um, really um, impactful on, on the company itself in that moment in time. Um, but it, it did feel really relaxing. It's <laughs> a funny shift you go from having a lot of adrenaline you know you've just entered and it's hectic and you can't believe what's going on and then you're sitting still mm. for hours <laughs> mm. and hours yeah. it's a funny shift like that yeah um but yeah it was just really incredible to be in there and there's these huge mounds of coal and it's dirty and it's kind of hard to breathe it's kind of in the air and it's just toxic stuff really um <laughs> It was just so crazy to be up so close to just humongous piles of it, just piles and piles and piles. Yeah. What is coal like? 
Um, Not many of us get to actually hang out with it. Like, like the the piles themselves were just like big um, rocks. Yeah. So it was like I don't know, um, very gravelly or something. Yeah. Um, when you're walking on it, but it's just on everything. Okay. So like, because it, it it crumbles away yeah. relatively easy. So everything is covered in a layer of of coal. Yeah. Um, that, like of dust. Yeah, that's the coal dust, which I guess the people of Newcastle as the thousands of trains come through and the trains, the carriages are not covered. Mm. <laughs> so I guess that coal dust, yeah, is a daily experience for a mm. lot of people. Yeah. And yeah we uh, had it on our faces. Mm, mm. <laughs> Quite a sight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, like the, the there was a funny comment from one of the police officers as, as we were sitting there and, and they're like leaned on something and they're like, oh, there's just coal everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's that's the world you've got. Is I mean, we all. That's what you're protecting yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that they, yeah, have a realization of that while they're in there. Yeah, hopefully a good experience for them to see what a coal port is like as well and how dirty it actually is. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, a lot of. I mean, maybe I was a bit cheeky, but there was a lot of banter with the police. With I mean, you and the police. More, <laughs> And more, I don't know, more than you might expect, I guess. Yeah. Um, they did it, compliment us on our jingles. Yes. Oh, my God. One, at one point, was actually singing along. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost like that episode of The Simpsons where um, they've gone to the, the cult and they're trying to get Homer to believe in the leader and they're trying all these jingles and it's fine. Like, no, 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 leader. Anyway, maybe that's a bit esoteric. But the police officer, oh. I could see mouthing um, stop coal. Yeah. Could you could you give us an example of this very catchy jingle? You know what? I can't think of it. <laughs> so catchy, you've forgotten um, it a few days later. Cole, don't dig oh, it. it yeah. Leave it in the ground. It's time to get with it. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. That old one. Heard that yeah. on the stretch. That, that one is very catchy with its kind of offbeat. It would get in your head. It does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. And so I guess because you were in there for a while. You would, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because well, yeah, you said the coal port was shut down from 8 a.m. to... 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. inbound and 7 p.m. outbound. Wow. Where did you get that information? Um, or maybe you don't want to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's in our police report. There. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I do find that very interesting. They give us a lot of... Because once um, I climbed on top of a coal train... Um, which was good fun to stop it. And in my police report, they told us how many trains we'd stopped for how long and the amount of coal that was in those trains. They just you on. the amount of money that – there was like $3 million or something that we'd cost the coal train companies. Mm. And I, was, I, I think I've lost it in the last house move, but it's like, I'm going to frame this. <laughs> like, do you folks <laughs> – yeah, it's – that's hilarious. Mm. Mm, definitely. I did. Uh, I think maybe someone was saying maybe they do that um, in case they want to follow up with um, reclaiming the lost profits. Oh, to try and yeah, true. So I don't. I, I haven't heard of any legal precedent for them to try and. Mm. I think they've tried in the past, but not succeeded. Mm. So mm. hopefully, yeah. there's a lot of wonderful pro bono anti climate change lawyers out there that can <laughs> help us. Yeah. If if that's you, just contact Frontline Action on Coal on Facebook. Yeah, um, <laughs> please. <laughs> um, 
That's amazing. Um, well, wow, that was a very felt like a very short amount of time, but we might have to finish up there. So thanks so much for coming in. Hopefully, can get you in later on. Hear how the whole court process goes. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hear some more stories. Um, but yeah, thanks for that. Oh, thank you. Thanks. And that was the interview yesterday with uh, Emily and Nick, who had an amazing experience up at Newcastle. Um, so yeah, I guess that's our show. Um, have you found it, Seki? Oh, pretty awesome. Pretty sweet and to the point. I think we've. Uh, it's uh, pretty good to have people uh, get a bit of an exposure on what they do and why this is important. Yeah, totally. It's been it's been great stuff. And um, yeah, like we said, if you want to get involved with them, um, just Google Frontline Action on Coal. There's a website. There's a Facebook. Get in get in touch with them. Get involved. It's amazing, inspiring stuff. Um, yeah, wanted to. Uh, just really uh, kind of do a shout out now that we're ending the show. There's a couple of things that we thought we'd mention. Um, the Australian Student Environment Network, that's uh, ASIN, the Australian Student Environment Network, are having a fundraiser garage sale. Um, so, yeah, if you are free on the 20th of October and want to get some cool secondhand gear, um, head to the ASIN garage sale in Brunswick. Give it a Google. Australian Student Environment Network, and uh, yeah, come along. We'll see you there. Um, yeah, and apart from that, doing ourselves having an event soon. Do you want to talk about that, Suki? We'll be hosting a uh, movie night, uh, hopefully on the twelfth of October, where um, we will play a movie and have a bit of a chit chat. Maybe uh, come go to the event on Facebook. Look up doing it out doing it ourselves on Facebook. Uh, there will be an event coming up there and. You'll see a history of events. We've been playing movies uh, at the uh, uh, at the Mac. Uh, um, yeah, the, which is the Mac. Do you want to explain what the Mac is? The Mac is the Melbourne Anarchist Club on uh, 62 St. George's Road, Northcote. And uh, every month we t- choose a night to play a movie, snacks, chit-chat with a very positive environment. Just go to the Facebook page, look up the events, and you will see the upcoming one fairly shortly exciting so that's doing our souls facebook and uh yeah look out for the events that come up we have great um chats on all these things political and otherwise so yeah if you want to get in the, involved um great to see you there um apart from that we are uh, going to be heading off we're uh we'll uh, see you in a month um for the next sewer show of doing it ourselves uh, in the meantime, we'll send you out to a community service announcement and a song following that. The song will be Peter Seeger. Uh, which side are you on is with a question mark at the end. I believe that's the song title. So, yeah, see you later. See you, folks. Bye. Fight for your mic. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Well, it's not too late, and we still need your support. Donate now by calling 9419 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. Fight for your mic. Never done a direct action before. It was their first. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.